بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه ومن والاه واهتدى بهداه الى يوم الدين وبعد وي كفرت ذس اوكي سو سيد ويكينج اب فروم سم وانز ديب سليب اند ديستراكشن ويز لايف انجيجمنتس ريليشنشيبس is the first step towards deciding that I want to travel to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and change something in my life. For a person to take this call seriously, he has to have some tools. He has to take some steps. When you wake up, you might decide to stay in bed for another two hours just because you are still entrapped in the sleeping mode. You are neither sleeping nor you are awake. And this is one of the biggest delays in our life. One of the biggest delays in our life. Because you are in denial. Have I actually woken up? Because you are in denial. If you have actually woken up, you don't do anything. You don't go back to sleep and rest and continue. Because of this ailment, this annoyance that you have actually woken up. <coughs> and you don't engage in the daily activities because you are still entrapped. Like someone realizing that his life is going wrong. And then he is not brave enough to take the decision of, let me make a U-turn. So he says, possibly I can make a U-turn later. Possibly, let, let me try, possibly. Living with this fake hope is so dangerous. So the first thing that you need is insight. <clears throat> insight. We mean by insight here, understanding. Understanding that the value of your life, understanding the outcome of procrastination. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا يَذَّكَّرُوا إِلَّا أُلُوا الْأَلْبَابِ In another ayah, الَّذِينَ يُوفُونَ بِعَهْدِ اللَّهِ وَلَا يَنْقُضُونَ الْمِثَاقِ Who are those who, uh, who are with understanding? Who are the people of understanding? Those who fulfill the agreements, they take in God, they make in God's name, they don't break their pledges, that they make to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these are the people who have understanding. They take their understanding into action right away. They take their learning. Sometimes I say to people, one of the best ways of understanding fiqh and actually internalizing this information that we have in fiqh class is starting to practice them. You know, if you're Hanafi, for example, and you come here to the class and you go home and just continue praying the way you have always been praying in your life. You will never learn how to pray in the Shafi'i way. Never. Because fiqh is a practical thing. Fiqh is a practical thing. Where you place your hands, how do you go into sujood, how do you go into ruku'ah, what do you do in wudu? It is all practical things. And this is the only way for you to remember. Because theoretical knowledge remains a theoretical knowledge. And because there is so many details in fiqh. Some of the Ibadat, some of the actions that we study in fiqh, they, people don't remember them because they are not practical. I mean, they don't have. When was the last time you had to do tayammum? When was the last time you had to do tayammum? So the, the whole study of tayammum is a bit difficult for people to understand, even to remember. Oh, I need to repeat my salah if it was like this. I don't need to repeat my salah if it's like that. I need to move like 150 meters in this direction, I need to do this, I need to do this. When was the last time you did Hajj? <laughs> the details of doing Hajj, even if you study a thousand times before you go to Hajj, 
you will still always ask the same questions to the sheikh who is accompanying you. Because hajj is a practical experience. Only after going to hajj three or four times, you know your way. That's if you, if you have studied. If you haven't studied, you might not even know your way after three or four times. So some practical things need to be put in action and then you will be able to internalize them and understand them. Same thing here. Your Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has woken you up and showed you the value of your life. Then you need to, take, to do something about it. The longer you keep this uh, procrastination, the more delayed you will become. The more delayed you will become. They say, Multafitun la A person who is distracted will never be there on time, will never arrive. They say, Multafitun la Someone who is in doubt will never travel. Someone who is distracted will never arrive. And someone who is in doubt will never arrive, will never travel. If you are always in doubt, is this my train? Is this my train? Is this my train? You will not jump into any train. And if you're distracted in every train, you come out, you might not, you, you will miss the train, you will not arrive, you will start the journey, but you will not arrive. These are two important figures. A distracted person and a doubtful individual. If you are with the most knowledgeable man in the world and you doubt them, you will not benefit from them. You will not get anything from them. Because you are in doubt. You are debarred by your own doubt. You have something that's called... In, 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 imagine, you know, there is a fine line between jealousy and doubt in relationships. If someone is, has doubt about lack of trust in his partner or in his wife, in his wife he will never succeed in, in his life. Even if he's with the most uh, committed individual. It's, the problem is not in there. It's in them. It's in him. It's in his heart. The problem is in his doubt. So, that's the first tool. The second tool is balance. Between looseness and rigidness. The path of tasawwuf which causes people to be delivered to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to understand that I should not move from one extreme to another extreme. This is normal for people who uh, have realized how much they have lost in their life. How much they have lost in their education. How much they have lost in their ibadah. They start with zeal. And we tend to control this zeal. Relax. You realize that all of a sudden someone realizes that he wants to memorize the Quran. That's a very good intention. But this intention requires action. And this action has to be balanced. Otherwise, you will break abruptly as you started abruptly. Abrupt start leads to abrupt stop. You haven't used your car for 10 years. And all of a sudden, you turn it on and you start driving. The car will break down. There will be a problem. Same thing. It is not in your habit to wake up early. It is not in your habit to pray five times. It is not in your habit to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Take little dosages until your body starts uh, taking things in between looseness and rigidness. If you move, you move from one extreme to another extreme. The Prophet وسلم, said that this religion is very deep. 
When you go into a deep part of the sea, you have to roll up your trousers and move with cautiousness because there could be a pit that, <laughs> that you don't see. So you might damage yourself, you might injure yourself. Same thing. This religion is not as, is not a simple religion. It is not simple. Ilm is not simple. Yes, it's a religion of ease, but the ease of it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us ulama who tell us what to do and what not. But the religion, whoever thinks that I can uh, become a scholar in a number of years, he is fooling himself. Whoever thinks that he can study fiqh and know it inside out, after, subhanAllah, I was thinking the other day, I want to read something about Maliki Madhab. And possibly look into uh, practicing some of its rulings, since they say that Maliki Madhab is a, is a bit easy. And you know, people here in the West, it's suitable for the West. And then I thought to myself, I have been Shafi'i since 1988. <laughs> I will need another period of like 1988 till now. That's like quite a good number of years, 20 years or so, or even more than that. So now, almost actually, almost 28 years, like that's a quarter of a century. I will need another 28 years to become as good in Maliki Madhab as I am now in Shafi'i Madhab. So how many 28 years do you have in your life to spend in that? No, it is better to focus on what you know. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. <laughs> no, what happened is when we go to Azhar as students, they would give us the choice. So since my father himself was Hanafi, I was going to be a Hanafi. But I always say, I became Shafi'i by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> they came and told us, look, who want to become Shafi'is? Some students took a side. Who wants to become Hanafi? I took that side. And then they looked at us and they said, look, the Hanafi fiqh books have not arrived from the book center. <laughs> they, like, they, they send the books to the, to the institute so that they are distributed to the students. So all the books pretty much arrived, but some books were delayed. So they said the fiqh books have arrived, but only the Shafi'i madhab has arrived. Hanafi madhab books are arriving next week. So you have one of two options. Either to attend with these Shafi'is for a week, and then next week you become Hanafis, or just become Shafi'is and save us the hassle. So all of us decided to become Shafi'is. So what did your um, late father say? He didn't mind. He didn't mind. We are not uh, rigid about, uh, about madhabs. So, sorry to um, you know, belittle this point, but... Um, when you, when you were growing up and you made that conscientious decision to be, to follow the Shafi Mazhar. I never made a conscious decision. Okay. I, did, I never made a conscious decision. Yeah. I learned it. Yeah. And because I learned it, I stayed with it. Yeah. And then later on, it actually made sense to me. A lot of, you know, this is quite interesting. A lot of Salafis who choose to become Madhabis and choose anything other than Hanbali Madhabs, they become Shafi's. I know loads of Salafi people who are even on the Mu'taqad, on the Aqeedah, other than the typical Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah, but they are Shafi'is in Madhab. Why? Because of all the Madhabs, pretty much the one that has got the biggest number of textual evidence, 
textual evidence as opposed to departing from the textual evidence to more ijtihad is the Shafi'i Madhab. So before that, you would have followed um, Hanafi because your father was. Yes. Hanafi. Yeah. The reason why I say I asked all this and corrected this is because as I was growing up, we were being told we are Hanafi. Yes. And but you never studied. No. That's the point. So if I were up to this point, if I have not studied fiqh up to this point, I would have made a conscious decision possibly to study something else. Sheikh, can I just, I'm confused with, actually that's a very good question, I'm confused as well now because we're studying Shafi. So we're actually, this is a big confusion. I was a Hanafi following that and now, what, 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 do we do? what do we do? Do we now, are we obliged to follow Shafi? You are not obliged to follow, right. but you should follow what you know. Right, Have you studied a text in the Hanafi Madhab? I'm still a student, but he hasn't completed anything. I'm sure, like, I'm not sure about others, but myself, still a student, but I was, what I knew was more of a Hanafi, and then now, it, it's I'm actually in a state of utter confusion mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Today, I feel so confused, because being a Quran teacher, and it's uh, completely lost. After attending this class, learning under Shafi Mother, does that mean that we've made a conscious decision <laughs> we're going to be following the Shafi Mother? Not, necess is this oh, not, not necessarily, but this is, this is what I want to say to you. If I have inherited a madhab, which I have not studied a text in, I would just see my parents praying in this way, and then I studied the Madhab on my own and I looked into its details. Now my knowledge of it is more accurate than something that I have inherited from my parents. There is nothing called Hanafi or Shafi'i or Maliki unless you study. Born into a family that is Hanafi or into a society that is Hanafi. Most of these Asians who say you are Hanafis, they are not Hanafis. They are not Hanafis. It is like a Moroccan who says, I'm reciting Warsh. Warsh is a common recitation in Morocco. If you listen to the Moroccans, and I have studied Warsh as a narration, if I listen to a Moroccan, I will find him following Warsh in certain things, and he just like halves for the rest. He has grown up reciting it like this. Like a Somalian who says, we're reciting a duri They are actually not reciting a duri They are just following a duri in certain places, but not the rest. So, for a, a, a lay person, there is no madhab. Meaning, you cannot claim that you follow a specific madhab unless you have studied. What you are doing now, you are studying a madhab, learning its masail and its evidence and its topics and its intellectual structure. If you go to the Hanafi madhab, what you are observing is different from what is in the books. Like, in the books they talk about waters, types of waters, how do we clean a well? How do we, what happens if a najasa comes to us? Can we use this? Can we use that? All of these details are not, haven't been taught to you. They haven't been taught to you in a structured way. In a structured way. So you have one of two options. Either you want to study Shafi'i Madhab and know its masail and practice it in a way that you stick to it. Right? That you stick to it. And later on, once you have achieved 
a good, a good amount of knowledge. Studied one or two texts in Shafi Madhab. Then you can go and study Hanafi Madhab. Then you have the option. You have the option. I studied a basic Hanafi text in Ibadat, up to Hajj. So I know, but I haven't repeated it, that I can say I have everything that, that, that was in that book in my mind. But at the back of my mind, what I still remember from that, I, I mentioned it to, in, in the class to you. So I can shift between things, but I don't shift. Sorry, if I got it wrong, just a few minutes ago you said that until you practice the Shafi, you won't understand. So if I start practicing, that means that I have moved from Hanafi and it's become, I mean, because my whole way of practicing is changing. If I got it wrong, I do apologize. But you said a few minutes ago, start practicing. Yes. Until you do practicality, you won't understand it. So if I'm doing, I don't mind that, but wouldn't that like divert my whole, I mean, what do I do? It's, not, it's not diverting your whole thing. How did you pick up the habits that you have in Ahmed? Nurture, like the way... Same thing. A second nature is, I am starting to practice things. How do you sit in the shahud? How do you... Do you raise your hands when you say Allahu Akbar? Do you raise your hands when you come up from the floor? When you go in the third rack? All of these things are tiny details. Reading it, like imagine, let's say, you establish some sunnah of wudu and the way shafi'is do wudu. So you read that chapter of wudu and say, for this week I have to become conscious about my wudu. Being conscious about your wudu is when you go to the toilet to do wudu, before you wash your hand, you might have the siwat. There's a sunnah, or neglect that, but you make the intention so you remind yourself of the intention. Nawaitu wudu. After some time, you realize that Nawaitu wudu has become automatic. So you have become shafi in that sense. In that sense, you are following yes. the structure of the Shafi'i Madhab. Possibly in a couple of years' time, when you have a, a gathered a considerable amount of Shafi'i practices or uh, Islamic practices according to the Shafi'i Madhab, you may at that time say, I have a problem following Shafi'i Madhab in costs. I have a problem following Shafi'i Madhab in Tayammu. I have a problem in following Shafi'i You define problematic areas. Right? That, are, that are causing you unease. So you would say, okay, I'm going to read this issue in another madhab that gives me ease, and in this I will be a You see, but what is happening now, because there is, everything is problematic. Uh, everything is problematic. You are confused. You need to drive one, when they teach you how to drive, when they teach someone how to drive, they take you in one route or in one area. And when you do your test, they ask you to do your test in the same car. Why? Because this is the car that you are accustomed to. Master this car first. And then after you have mastered this car, then you can try another car, and a third car, and you find which car you are more comfortable with. But what has happened at the moment, you don't know at the back of your mind, why the Hanafis do this? Why are they praying like that? Why is it that the Hanafis don't require intention in uh, they don't require it in wudu but they require it in tayammum? Why do they, why do they require it in salat? So justifying, you see, the main purpose of this course, Husna, is to move a Muslim from just being a recipient of practices to being a conscious Muslim. Who knows? Why am I doing this? Why why do we keep talking about Allah and the attributes of Allah? Well, 
does that mean? When I keep saying the proofs of the existence of Allah, am, am I trying to prove the existence of Allah to you? No. But we have received this deal from our parents, from the society around. So there could be some shaking inside us, or if there is none, there could be some shaking in some, inside somebody else that we need to help. Someone else might come with that. We will talk in Sirah about the age of a Sayyidah Aisha. Was a Sayyidah Aisha nine with the Prophet and his hair? All of these things. Now, what, what is, where is the problem? The problem is, well, we have no doubt about our Messenger But it's not your problem. The problem is not you. The problem is someone else who will come to you and say, What about this? Your son, your daughter, someone in the street, one of your students. So one of your students who's asked this question. We live in a very open world. People have access to anything. Our children have access to anything. So what happens? We have to protect their deen. Hudayfa bin al-Yaman said, people used to come and ask the Prophet about good things, and I used to ask them about evil things. So that I will avoid them. We live in a world that is full of evil. There is so much evil out there. You need to be savvy. You need to be aware of it. Otherwise, it will eat us. It will eat us. So, yes, there was a time where there was obedience to our parents. Oh, our parents pray like this, we just pray like that. But your children will ask you, your students will ask you, why? Why do we pray like this? Why do we do this? Why don't we eat pork? But then I think that's where the confusion, like now I feel, like maybe this was a lot of waking me up and maybe guiding me towards the right. That's where it's all confusing. I mean, it is good, obviously, but I feel like when I feel like I'm being being woken up by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and said, "Look, you need to be focused on one." And now we need to focus on one. Mm -hmm. We definitely, at a certain stage in our life, you can't master two at the same time. Mm -hmm. If you want to run your life in two parallel, if you want to run a train in two parallel rails, it has to be one. So you have to run yourself. On one until you are you establish this habit. Go on. Yes, that's a big that's a big question. <laughs> the simple the simple answer to that is the madhab, how do you and how do you follow the Quran and the Sunnah? How do we follow the Quran and the Sunnah? This is a question that that they are to ask. Yes, you don't follow madhab, I don't follow madhab, I follow the Quran and the Sunnah. How do you follow the Quran and the Sunnah? How? Salat al-Zuhr at the time of Salat is not mentioned neither in the Quran or the Sunnah. How would you know that Zuhr is on? Yes, but do they, if someone who says I follow the Quran and the Sunnah, which Sunnah he's talking about? Is he talking about Sahih Hadith or Hasan Hadith or Ba'il Hadith? Which Sunnah he's talking about? Which books of Sunnah he's talking about? Well, there are Hadith that go against each other. Apparently, go against each other. How is he going to evaluate them? And take this and leave this. Well, the Quran says, or you touch women. So is he going to say that touching women invalidates wudu or it does not invalidate wudu? How does he understand the word touch? Lamasa. Does it mean literally lamasa or, or what? Secondly, if he says, I'm following the Quran and the Sunnah, what are these madhabs then? They are ways of understanding the Quran and the Sunnah by people who were closer in time and generation, and tools, and connection closer to the source. 
the Quran and the Sunnah, the time of the Quran and the Sunnah. So, if I say I'm understanding the Quran and the Sunnah better than a Shafi, for example, I, what is your link to the Quran? What's your link to the Sunnah? What's your link to the Sahaba who understood the Quran and the Sunnah? And you know what? I have, SubhanAllah, I wrote this on a piece of paper and I put it underneath my bed. I, I caught this from a Salafi Shafi'i Sheikh. A Salafi Shafi'i Sheikh, whom I really respect. He says that the Madahib, all the Madahib as they are, have basis in the Quran and the Sunnah, are established in the Quran and the Sunnah. Why? Because if you take any text that is used by the people of Madhabs, you will find that that text can be understood in one or two ways. And both are equally valid. So the one who understood it this way and decided that this is his madhab, that's his understanding of the Quran and the Sunnah. And the one who understood it in this madhab, his understanding is established in the Quran and the Sunnah. And then he quotes something from, is going, hold on. The, then he quotes something from one of the tabi'i. From what? Uh, possibly Abu Ali al-Badini or something. One of the shiukh of Ahmad ibn Hadar. He said, narrating from one of the tabi'i, that he said, Abdullah ibn Abbas during the lifetime of the Prophet he had people, this is the Arabic, he had his companions who were around him. They seek his fatwa and they don't take fatwa from somebody else. As for Ibn Mas'ud, he also had his companions that were around him. Now what are we having here? These are madhabs. Among the Sahaba. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Abdullah ibn Abbas. And if you look at the Sahaba who gave fatawa, there was about 20 Sahaba. 20 Sahaba who gave the fatawa. But of them, there was only three or four who had companions around them who sought their fatawa. I.e. The people among the Sahaba who were like Madhab Imams, only three or four. Ibn Abbas, Ibn Mas'ud, and Abdullah ibn Umar. Abdullah ibn Umar, his knowledge was taken by a man called Nafi'ah. And the knowledge of Nafi'ah was taken by a man called Malik. Malik. Malik from Nafi'ah from Abdullah ibn Umar. And Malik had his choices, and a Shafi'i studied with him. And at the same time, a Shafi'i found another teacher, a man called Muhammad ibn al-Hasan al-Shaybani, who studied from Abu Hanifa. Abu Hanifa studied from Hamad. Hamad studied from Ibrahim al-Nakhai. Ibrahim al-Nakhai studied from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud from the Prophet So that's actually, that's a route. And that's another route. Ibn Umar and Ibn Mas'ud. Now, Malik, Shafi'i, and Abu Hanifa, and Ahmad studied with a Shafi'i. These are the four matters. So what is the Quran and the Sunnah there? Hmm? See, it's like the people who make this claim, they can't even read the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> Wallahi, I saw this brother. Wallahi, that's, that's not exaggeration. Saw this brother from Ahmed. He was a new Muslim. He just accepted Islam like six months ago. And he came and he had some, some, some questions. So I said to him, what matter do you follow? He said, I follow Quran and Sunnah. I can't even speak Arabic. I said, well, alhamdulillah. <laughs> we follow the Torah and the Injil. The Arabs are translated into English and the Quran. 
so he got you can, I, can we not do this like what you said a few minutes ago that rather than practicing shafi can we not carry on with what we are doing and at the end of the completion then we would have yes we have a basic percent yes. and then we but, can choose but even with your basic hanafi because it hasn't been studied it hasn't been studied you don't know where are the, where are the strong things here and where are the weak things there or why am i doing this when you have two roots and you decide to take one of them not the other you have to be well informed why am i taking this possibly this will save me five minutes in the journey or possibly this is quicker or possibly this so you need first of all at the moment you have a, an inherited version of Hanafi even if it has been with some people solidified by some studies it is scattered study like the first thing that I will ask you you studied Hanafi what did you read in Hanafi? Like, if you ask me as a Shafi what have you read in Shafi there is a structure Seven books, if you ask any Mawlana or any Shaykh, they will tell you, first you need to do this, second you need to do this, third you need to do this, both you need. Have you done Al-Hidayin Al-Marhinani? Have you done Maraq Al-Falah? Have you done Muri Al-Ibah? Have you even done the absolute distinctions by Shaykh Faraz Rabbani? You need to get something to say, I have done this in Hanafi Fiqh. Now, when I go to Shafi'i Fiqh, I know I have a book here and a book there. But that's, a, that's, 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 a big, that's the biggest question. I, I can tell you, I have done in Shafi'i Fiqh, I've done Abu Shuja'a, I've done Umdat Salih, I have done Ibn Qasim, I've done Al-Iqna'a, I have done... These are the books that can tell at which level is this student. Because we're and doing like a loop in the class, so we, go, we, we come from a Hanafi Fiqh, and then you teach us the Shafi'i Fiqh, and then we usually ask you, okay, what do the Hanafi say about it? Yes, <laughs> and that's, that's, that's what you would imagine. Yeah, and you're, in fact, you're asking the wrong person as well. Yeah. It's like asking a banker about religious matters. Mm -hmm. The banker will not tell you the religious matters because I'll tell you what I know of Hanafi Bill. But I actually, I, as I told you, I studied a book in Hanafi Bill to teach Hanafi Bill for some brothers and sisters who were studying person. After that, I decided I'm not going to teach them because I have not done enough Hanafi Bill that I can say, well, this knowledge is at a level where I can communicate it to people. And you have to respect that. But I have a bit of knowledge here and there that I can say, okay, uh, the Hanafi Madhab says this in this area. Also, I think one thing we don't realize, although we were born in Hanafi families, what we're doing probably not right anyway. Many mistakes we yeah, Like if, if you ask those who have, whom you have followed in Hanafi Madhab, they themselves have inherited Hanafi Madhab. And possibly their grand... It's an excuse on the Allah. Why? No. Yes, but the thing is, we are not excused in continuing to be ignorant. Yes. <laughs> we are excused for the ignorance that we have now. I am excused if I make something by mistake because I don't know. But I am not excused in continuing knowing that I don't know and choosing to not know. But she, for example, if somebody is following Hanafi, they are not out of it. They still Muslim. Yes, I am not saying that. I am not saying that at all. But what I am saying is, because of these differences between them and that, what happens? Yes, if you follow this Hanafi route, it's all correct. But if you take this part and put it with this part, it will not be correct. Why will it not be correct? It's just like someone who decides to wear a skirt and a shirt. They don't match with each other. But if someone is wearing a shirt, he needs to wear trousers, he needs to wear this, a 
he has to you have you have to bring things together that are, that match each other, mm. right? So, but if you wear a skirt and you wear something else, possibly it suits. Mm. Same thing. This suit in Hanafi Madhab, this wudu with this salah, with this sunnah, with the, this set of things, this package go with each other. What is happening now is you have not even completed the package, and you ask, what about this one? What about this one? Oh, what about this one? Like someone who goes and he sees loads of bed sets. And then he says, I want to take this. But you know what? This is also good. But what about this? Now you are driven, we are driven by ease, possibly. We are driven by other things. We don't need to be driven by anything. We need to learn this as it is. This is as it is. And I'm going to practice it to, to solidify my understanding of it. And then later on, I will study something else and I say, now I can compare. It is like me reciting to you now uh, part of the Quran in Warsh, part of the Quran in Hafs, part of the Quran in Qalb. You will not appreciate it. You don't see the differences. But only someone who knows why is Warsh different from Qalun in this? Why is he reciting it like that? It's like someone listening to different tones of a recital and he doesn't know the different tones. He possibly does not appreciate it. He might take a recital and say, Ah, oh, amazing, mashallah, he has got a very good voice. And if you make an expert listen to taste, what's good about that? Taste varies, <coughs> taste did kind of a changes with knowledge. Your taste will change with knowledge. So the, the, the only thing that I'm saying to you is you don't have to make a decision to become a chef, eh? But when you make a decision to follow a madhab, it has to be a conscious decision. That I want to become a Shafi'i, if you ask me, now, why are you a Shafi'i? I have reasons. One, two, three, four, five. I can tell you, for example, as Imam Suyuti said, all the mujaddids of Islam for 10 centuries were Shafi'is. Like I have got ulama who are muhaddithin, like Nawawi, who were Masters of different sciences like Imam Suyuti, Abu Hamid al-Ghazali, al-Subki, loads of ulama who were Shafi'is. The Shafi'i madhab is structured in, in this way. It, is, it, is, it has its usul, it has its essential principles that guide it, that are clear. And this, so there are virtues, there are like good, like there, there are certain features of the Shafi'i madhab that would make someone a Shafi'i. Someone else might, so uh, someone else might choose to to become any other madhab, possibly for other things. The sheikh, like you said, at that point when he, they had the books of Hanafi, you would have become a Hanafi because you would have. Studied. Yes, and I would have defended the Hanafi madhab in the same way as I'm defending the Shafi'i madhab but now. We are confused. No, but why is that? Because I am now making a conscious decision. So what I want you to do is not to take a decision whether you are going to become Shafi'i or Hanafi. You can make a decision that I'm going to practice Shafi'i Madhab and learn it for the coming two years. I'm not going to confuse this with anything else. Well, Sheikh, it's a matter of consciousness as well because I'm someone, I'm not sure, I'm, uh, I'm someone who likes doing things with steadiness, with my Iman, the faith has to be. Now when I recite, when I, when I sorry, when I perform my Salah or do my Tayyamum and etc., I feel like mm -hmm. I'm not steady like before. I feel because you're, you're a member of the Islam. And you're, you're, I trust you and your teachers.
teaching and now I'm like I, I have to, I don't divert towards you then I'm what I've been taught before so I feel like I don't like that being unsteady in my but you know sometimes in our life we got to yeah. go through some unsteady period and this is the nature of things the nature of thing is before you plant the seeds into the land you have to plow it you have to plow it shaking it is actually a way of preparing it for something else Hmm. I just wanted to say that like, it's, not a, it's not a personal issue for me but for others who are of Hanafi background and are now studying the Shafi'i if you give your personal experience other than it was just by mistake like, at what point did you make a conscious decision to after studying like, I think that would help if you relate your story maybe that po po possibly two to three years after possibly two to three years after when I studied some basic Shafi'i texts I realized that, that the, the, like, this will be biased, obviously, when I speak about the Shafi'i Madhab. But Shafi'i Madhab is a structured Madhab. It's, it's a structured Madhab. Uh, the Mu'atamad opinion, I mean the official opinion of the Madhab, is not scattered between too many people. There's only two individuals whom we know. Like, there's obviously differences within the Madhab. But we always know that the official opinion of the Madhab is offered by two people, either Ibn Hajar or Ramli, and who, whichever you choose in between the two, that's, that's absolutely valid. There is a ladder for teaching Shafi'i Madhab that is achievable, that's achievable. After some time you can say, well, I have done enough of Shafi'i Madhab that is needed for, for my day-to-day -day life. Uh, it's accessible to, for people in English as well. Now it's accessible for people in English. Yeah. Uh, the Shafi'i Madhab has a legal theory, has a strong legal theory. Imam Shafi'i is known to be the person who founded the Ilm Usul al the, 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 the Islamic legal theory science. So, when, when something has a, a theory, a legal theory behind it, it works, it makes your mind work in a structured way. And this is something that is unique in the Shafi'i Madhab, as opposed to some other Madhab, which the Masail are scattered all over. And you know what, it's like someone, you enter into a factory of clothes and they say, here is department number one, number two, number three. This is the production process. And another area, they say, oh, some people are working here and some people are working there and some people are working there. And then you spend more time in order to understand the structure of the, of the place. So these are some of the, the, like the essentials, the essential uh, qualities of the chef. In addition to what I mentioned earlier, that there is Text, like there is a lot of reference to textual evidence. You will find uh, in, in, in fiqh that we always say, that the proof of this before, prior to ijma', so ijma' of the ummah was there, but before that the Prophet said, the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. From a, a very Shafi'i perspective as well, I believe that Imam Shafi'i had the most prolific and rich experience because he studied with Malik, so he got his knowledge. And he studied with Muhammad ibn al-Hassan al-Shaybani, so he got the knowledge of Abu Hanifa. And he was the teacher of Ahmad. And also in terms of travel, he was born in Gaza, grew up in Mecca, studied in Medina, traveled to Iraq, and ended up in Egypt. So he intermingled with the students of Al-Layth ibn Sa'ad, and with Al-Layth ibn Sa'ad himself, who was the faqih of Egypt. Someone whose knowledge has been built 
or like loads of factors has contributed to the richness of his knowledge. His encounter with scholars is rich. His travel is quite rich. He changed, you know, Imam Shafi'i changed his, some of his views from what we call Al-Madhab Al-Qadim, the old Madhab. When he was in Iraq, he had certain views. When he moved to Egypt, he changed those views. What does that mean? It means that he is a person who has observed the custom of people and the norms of the society, and that contributes to his opinions. That, that, that shows the richness of that, of the Madhab. In terms of following, it's a Madhab that is followed by huge number of the Ummah. Yes, the Hanabi Madhab is followed by the, uh, the, the biggest number of the Ummah. But the diversity of the Shafi'i Madhab is greater. It is followed in Southeast Asia, massively, in East Africa, massively, in South Africa, in Yemen, in Sham, in Syria. Yes, it is divided between Shafi'is and Ahnaf, but it is in, in, in Syria, in Egypt, and in different other parts of the world. Sri Lanka. Huh? Sri Lanka. In Sri Lanka, even in India, <laughs> in the southern part of India, in, in uh, Kerala, Kerala, they are massively Shafi'i. So it's a diverse, very diverse matter. As opposed to the Hanafi Madhab, for example, which is mainly Southeast Asian, Turkish, and in, uh, in Sham as well. So these, these are things that you can look at when you, when you talk about it, when you talk about the Madhab, you, that, that enable you to make a conscious, a conscious decision. Sometimes people might get worried, Sheikh, uh, that... Uh, there is a lot of work to do to practice the fiqh of Shafi'i. Well, there is a lot of work to do anyway. Even if you study, you know what? Even if we were teaching Hanafi Madhab here, you would have realized that what you have been practicing throughout your life might not be as Hanafi as you would have thought of it to be. That's the thing. And she, sorry, how old were you when you joined, if you don't mind? I was 10. You were 10 years old. Yeah. But that's absolutely fine. Because fiqh, when we study it as children, is different from fiqh when we study it as adults. When we study fiqh as adults, we know what we're studying and we move from one book to another. As children, children in school, they don't want to study. <laughs> that's one thing, isn't it? So they have this opposition to study. They want to play. They, that's why you have to kind of convince your children to sit and study. The balance between playing and studying, they would take things and memorize them, but they, they forget, forget them. Actually, I believe that teaching fiqh should not start at such an early age, should start at a later age. You might teach something simple, but it should be taught later on. Because loads of parts of fiqh are related to life. And a child at such a young age might not have that experience in life that makes fiqh interesting. Fiqh was not an interesting subject when we were children. Sira would have been interesting. Yeah, but fiqh was not interesting at all. Who would be willing to go and... Now, when I read fiqh and study it, it, is, it makes more sense to me. It is used. You know, fiqh, as I said, you have to use it. Whether in fatawa, whether in life. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Sheikh, but uh, time is going really quickly. Okay. Uh, we have to 